for some time. Uh, God had told me back in November of last year that unless He told me different, uh, to take the Wednesday night service and minister on the subject of either healing, healing for the body, or prosperity, provision for our lives, or faith to receive those, you know. And so that's what we've endeavored to do, and that's what we'll endeavor to do tonight. And uh, tonight I want to minister to us about prospering in troubled times. Prospering in troubled times. Uh, you know, if we're going to walk in the fullness of the blessing that God's made available in every area, it requires a renewed mind. It requires a renewed mind. Now, faith is not of the mind. Faith is of the heart. Faith is of your spirit. But it has to, for faith to get down in your spirit, it has to get through the gate of your mind. Right? A lot of times the right thing never gets down into our heart because our unrenewed mind is kicking it out. Amen? I uh, raised denominationally or basically just secularly. I had really no idea or I had some mixed up ideas about uh, healing and what, God, what we could really expect God to do in the area of the healing of our bodies. And most of that was just based on uh, my personal experience and what I heard coming from various pulpits. Amen? Very little of it matched what God actually said. But as I studied the Word, amen, for myself, and God brought people into my life that had fuller light, fuller truth than I did, then I began to get my questions answered and my mind renewed, and I found out that Jesus is not just my Savior, but Jesus is my physician and my healer too. Amen? All we see Jesus doing is healing, setting people free, and delivering when He was on the earth. Is that not right? There's 19 individual testimonies we have in the four Gospels of individuals or small groups of people coming to Jesus, appealing to Him for healing or deliverance. And do you know that in not one of those cases did, did Jesus say, well, it's not my Father's will? Not in one. You can't find one. Even where they were struggling, you know, like the, uh, the man with the... Uh, with, uh, he had leprosy, Matthew chapter 8. He approached Jesus and said, Lord, I know if you're willing, you can make me clean. He said, I'm willing. He didn't even hesitate. He didn't have to have a meeting with the Father. He didn't have to consult his angel or find out if it was okay with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says that Jesus is the same. How, how, how long is he the same? Yesterday, today, and forever. We also know from Hebrews and from what Jesus himself said in the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus said to his disciples, If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Hebrews tells us that Jesus was the physical advertisement, the physical, perfect, earthly representative of the Father, the Father's will, what his intents are and what the Father's like. Jesus said, I did not come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. What did he do? He did nothing but heal and deliver, and forgive, and set people free. Amen. Amen? Well, what about the financial realm? What about the financial realm? Uh, does God just expect us to eke out a living? Uh, to, you know, as Brother Hagin used to say, to uh, walk through life with the seat of our britches wore out, and the top of our hat wore out, and the soles of our shoes wore out. It, it, a lot of people think to be poor is to be holy and to be pious. Well, Maybe that's right. How would we know? We need to get into the Word and find out what the Word, not what our denomination held to, not what our creed held to. What does the Word of God actually say on the subject? Well, uh, praise God. You know, uh, Peter, he was having a hard time making money, and, uh, but he lent his boat out for a few hours to the Lord Jesus. 
And you know, Jesus doesn't borrow, borrow in. He's not going to be indebted to anybody. He pays his bills. Well, uh, Peter got a harvest on that, didn't he? he sa- even though he had fished all night and caught nothing, Jesus said, let down your nets for a catch. Peter, with his little faith, let down one net. <laughs> but that one net came up brimming, full, packed, stretched. You know, and by the time they got done, they were sinking the boats. Well, what do you think he did with all that fish? He took it to market and sold it. You remember later on uh, when uh, Peter was having tax trouble? I don't know, maybe Peter just had financial problems. You know, somebody else needs to manage his money for him. And, uh, well, what did Jesus do? Uh, You know, they, they came to Peter and demanded the temple tax or whatever it was, the Roman tax. And uh, Jesus said, well, Peter, go drop your hook in. First fish you catch, open its mouth, find the coin, pull the coin out, pay your taxes and mine. Right? So what do we see? We see him helping people and blessing them financially. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. You know, we, part of having a renewed mind when it comes to God's provision in our life is to not get in this idea that when the economic headwinds are good and favorable, I can prosper. But when things turn economically in our land, our economy, our nation, that I can expect to, have, to go down or to suffer like everybody else. Amen? I want to minister. To, is this okay? Yes. I want us to have a very strong, robust uh, understanding of where God stands and what the Bible says and what our covenant is and how to walk in it in every area. Amen. 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 Praise God. So here in Psalm 37, I think Psalm, I've been since the start of COVID in 2020, you know, I've just been going back to Psalm 37 over and over and over and over and over again. And, uh, but we're just going to pull out a couple of verses here. Let's look at verse number 18 and 19. And so it says, The Lord knows the days. Do you see that? The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be periodic, shall be sporadic, shall be feast and famine. No, it says their inheritance shall be forever. So does the Lord know what days we've come to? Certainly He does. He knows the days of the upright. And their inheritance shall be forever. Go on to the 19th verse. And they shall not be ashamed. Right? When? In the evil time. And in the days of famine, they shall suffer. They shall lose their house. No, what does it say? It says they shall be satisfied. Come on. More to come on that. Skip all the way down to verse 25. This is David speaking. He says by the Spirit, I have been young and now I'm old. And yet in all that time, amen, I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. You'll never see me in a bread line. Oh, aren't you concerned the devil's going to hear you? No, I'm not. I'm really not. I say it for his benefit. I don't say it in personal pride or arrogance, but I say it 
having studied the Word of God for a long, long enough to know that I have a Heavenly Father who knows what I have need of and that He is well able, regardless of what's happening in the economy, to take care of me. Amen? And I just want to water that in you, sow that in you. Let me tell you why. Because I, 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 uh, I don't sense that the next couple of years are going to be good in the world financially. I, 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 I don't claim to be a prophet, but I do have the Holy Ghost. Right? And you are, if you, I don't know what's going on in your heart. Amen. But I see troubled times in the world, in our nation, in a lot of areas. Amen. Well, even if you just look naturally speaking, if you're paying attention to the news or whatever, you listen to reports, that can work on you. I said, that can work on you. Amen. And we need to be rooted and grounded in what God says about us. Amen. Amen. Let's look at this verse, Psalm 37, 18 and 19 from the New Living Translation. I have it here in my notes. It says, day by day, the Lord takes care of the innocent. And they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. Verse 19, they will not be disgraced in hard times. Even in famine, they will have more than enough. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. I'm already glad I came to church. Praise God. Just to hear that, just to read that scripture. Amen. Day by day. Day by day. Come on. The Lord takes care. You say, well, I'm not innocent. Well, I'm not either, but I live as the innocent because Jesus took my place in divine exchange. Come on. Amen. And in the eyes of the Father, because of redemption, because of forgiveness, because of the new birth, you and I, we are righteous. We are innocent in the eyes of God. And therefore, we qualify to have God take care of us day by day. Hello. You, if you let yourself, you'll be happy. You'll let yourself. You'll, the, the gospel's good news. It's not bad news. It's good news. Listen to this from the NIV. The New International Version says, In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. Pastor, it's basically saying the same thing, different words. Yeah, but I want to get it in you. Amen? Listen to it from the message paraphrase. It says in verse 19 of the message paraphrase, In hard times, they'll hold their heads high. When the shelves are bare, they will be full. Have we not heard about bare shelves? Have we not heard about shortages? Come on, praise God. Well, God, this, if, if there's a famine coming to the world and to America, it won't be God's first. He's had thousands of years of earthly practice sustaining His covenant people through all kinds of hardship. Amen? Our Heavenly Father. I was just reading about the, uh, the Hebrews, and they had uh, been, I don't know, several weeks in the wilderness, uh, long enough to get tired of manna. 
you know, the wafer that he had uh, provided. It was falling out of the desert, you know, falling out of heaven in the desert so they could eat. Yeah. Millions of them. Eating every day. But they got tired of it. And they started griping and moaning, complaining, wanting meat. Yeah. Wanting quail. You know what, I was, as I was thinking about this the other day, I thought, if they really craved meat, why didn't they just ask? I mean, if the God can rain bread out of heaven, He can rain meat out of heaven. See, it's all about, like we heard so much in, a, in the Miracle Crusade, if you attended, our approach. But their approach was, we're suffering out here. God's, God's failed us out here. Their, their approach was ingratitude. Their approach was griping, moaning, and complaining. That's, that's never how to, how to get God's blessing on your life. Well, God, he heard all that, and he, uh, he told Moses, you tell the people, they're going to have quail in the morning. There'll be quail enough. They're going to eat quail every meal for a month. Read it yourself. They're going to eat quail until it's coming out of their nostrils. I love reading the Bible. It's just, it doesn't say that. It actually says they're going to be sick of it. And sure enough, he caused a, what, a, a, a southerly or an east wind to blow. And he gathered up every quail in the world. Amen. And caused them all to land in their camp. And God proved that without a Walmart, without an 18-wheeler, without, a, without a, a supply line, that God was able to feed his own. And he taught them a lesson. Amen. God caused water to come out of a rock. Hallelujah. I tell you what, our God's a good God. Now, in the King James, it says, in famine they will be satisfied. I looked up the Hebrew meaning of that word that's translated satisfied, and this is what it means. It means to be in a state of physical contentment because or due to having all your physical needs met in abundance or in excess. It means to have one's fill. It means to be full or to have much. That's what this Hebrew word translated satisfied means. So, how, are, what, how does a renewed mind, good biblical thinking, think at the talk of famine? I'm going to be, I'm, famine? I hate that for others. I'll be a blessing to others. But I'm going to eat my full. I'm going to have all my physical needs abundantly supplied. If God's got to give cows wings and cause them to land in my pasture, the Cody's are going to eat. You know, a famine came along in the prophet Elijah. In fact, God used and commanded the prophet Elijah to declare that fast as a judgment on what Ahab and Jezebel and all, those, all that crew. And for three years, there was no rain in the land. There was a famine. And you, God gave him directions, said, Go by the brook Cherith. There's where your water is. So he dwelt by the brook Cherith. And in the morning and in the evening, a raven came and delivered. 
I mean, God's been doing DoorDash for thousands of years. And delivered the man of God food to eat in the morning, food to eat at night. I'm telling you, God's been practicing for thousands of years. What happens to you and I, amen, in bad economic times depends on our knowledge, our faith, our response to what's happening, and whether or not we're going to walk skillfully on our side in the light of the covenant that we're in. Amen? You and I, we are the seed of Abraham in Christ. Galatians chapter 3, the last verse in that chapter says, If you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What promise? The promise God made to Abraham. Well, do you know Abraham endured a famine? I mean, Genesis chapter 12, God cuts that covenant, gives him direction, and one of the first things that happens is a famine shows up. Well, God didn't tell him to do it. I don't know that it was his will to do it. So he, he left Canaan to go down into Egypt. And he lied and he made mistakes. Amen. But you know what? He came up out of Egypt rich with silver and gold and cattle. While everybody else is enduring a famine. Okay, praise God. You're running around the auditorium with Brother Joe, you know, praise God. <laughs> Amen. Uh, you could either write the reference or turn there if you have time. We're going to go to Job chapter 5. Oh, pastor, there's nothing good in Job. There's lots of good stuff in Job. Job chapter 5. We'll find verse 19 and read through 22. And for time's sake, I'm just going to jump to the Amplified. And so... I love this. It says, He, that's God, will rescue you in six troubles. In seven, nothing that is evil will touch you. Come on. Nothing that is evil will touch you. Verse 20. In famine, He will redeem you from death. And in war, from the power of the sword. You shall be hidden from the scourge of the tongue. One translation says, you will be protected from slander. God's committed to defend your reputation. Come on. Neither shall you be afraid of destruction when it comes. Look at verse 22. At destruction and famine, you shall... Break down and cry. To no, you shall laugh. Ha ha ha. Hey, listen, I'd start laughing right now. I'd start practicing laughing at what you see and what you hear and what it tries to tell you in your mind and your emotions about what's coming down the pike. I'll tell you what's coming down the pike more blessing than you've ever walked in. Amen. Open doors, divine favor, God's loving care and hand of protection on you because you belong to him. He's your father. He's going to take care of you. Why don't you say that? Say, God is my father and he's going to take care of me. Now you can't believe that and worry. 
You can't believe that, dads, and wring your hands. Let me tell you something, men. You're not the breadwinner. You're not the provider. God is the bread provider. God is the source. And He loves your family more than you. Now it is true that God anoints and graces and favors a lot of us men to be a big pipeline of supply into our family. But I'm not the provider. You're not the provider. Don't take that pressure onto yourself. Work is good. Work is honorable. We should do, come on, do it, right? But God, our Father, is the one. Single moms. You don't have to live less than because you're a single mom. Well, I messed up. That's because I'm a single mom. Mercy. Goodness. Come on. You don't have to live less than. Widows. Older folks. Don't say you're on a fixed income. Who fixed it? You fixed it with your mouth. That's what Dr. Dufresne, my spiritual father, used to say. Don't, right? Don't limit God. He's the quail provider. He's the water out of the rock God. He's the pay taxes out of the fish's mouth God. He's the God that multiplies and makes wine with no grapes, no vine, no nothing. Praise God. What is the right response for a person, a man, a woman, a child that's got a covenant with God when they see destructive forces, when they see famine? What's the right response? You shall laugh. Ha, ha, ha. You got a stack of unpaid bills? What are you supposed to do to that? Ha, ha, ha. Amen. You see, if we draw back, we succumb to worry and fear and the pressure, then we're, we're, we're saying that what we see and what we hear and what we feel in the circumstance is greater than God and His promise and His faithfulness and His ability. Amen. Worry is a slap in the face. We've all done it, but we need to understand how serious worry is. I would, I would be upset. I would be upset if I found out my children were, wait, were not, was not sleeping up there in the bedrooms going, oh, I wonder if Daddy is going to have enough money to you know, put food in the refrigerator. Have you, never, have you ever not had food in the refrigerator? Right? No. That would, and it bothers God. God's not untrustworthy. Amen. And if we've ever had lean and hard times, I don't know anyone that hasn't. It hadn't been because God was unfaithful. It's because of what we didn't know or what we were not walking in right then. Let's just be humble and real about it. God hastens over, He watches over His Word. He hastens and He is performing His Word whenever He finds that Word alive in His people. And people walking in the light of His Word. Amen. Amen. Let's go over to Psalm 23. Y'all all right? Psalm 23. Really, this is just all my introduction. It's almost, <laughs> praise God. We know this, and 
You know, you hear this a lot at funerals, and that's a blessing, but this, it's not a funeral song. This is for a right now, everyday song. The Lord is my, He's my shepherd. And I shall not lack. The word want means lack. There's a good confession. You need to mix your, mix your faith. Put your words on that. You know, the Bible says that God sent His word and His word returned unto Him will not, what is it, be void? Well, you know, God is expecting His word to be returned unto Him. He sent His word so that you could send it back to Him so that He could fulfill it. Well, here's my microphone. Here's his word. You hear it? Mic working? Yeah. So how am I going to get his word back to him? I'm going to say it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Our part is very simple. But the system doesn't work if we don't do our little simple part. It's like one minister used to say, if you'll do a small thing, God will do a big thing. He'll move mountains. He'll get you a job you're not qualified for. He'll have a company hire you that's not hiring. He just cancel your debt. There's nothing hard for him, nothing difficult for him. And he can do a big thing if you and I will do a small thing. That small thing is put his word in my mouth for me. Because Psalm 23 verse 1 becomes mine when I speak it. When I make it mine. When I put, the verse becomes yours, Dakota, when you put yourself in the verse. But just because it's in there doesn't mean, you can see if just because it's in there. The healing scriptures are in there for all the body of Christ. They're in there for the whole world. And yet most people are as sick as ever. They're just as sick as ever. The fact that it's in there isn't helping them. Over in Hebrews it says, My word did not profit the Israelites because they did not mix their faith in that word that heard it. See, they even heard the word, but they didn't mix their faith with it, and they got nothing out of it. Amen? So it'd be good for you to just walk around and say, The Lord's my shepherd. I'm not guiding my own way through life. The Lord's my shepherd. And because he is, I shall not lack. Now for time's sake, it's all so good, but just for time's sake, skip down all the way to the end, to the bottom. Amen. Well, I've got to read verse 5 too. Thou preparest a table for me. Where? In the presence of my enemies. Well, if you've studied your Bible, you know poverty is an enemy. If you'd read my book, you've found out biblically poverty is a curse. Poverty is an enemy. The Bible says money is a defense. One place in the Bible says money answers all things. It's not everything, but it's important in this life. And God knows it is, and He wants you to have more money than you got. you got to be right about your motive. 
Yeah, you can't be serving money. I'm serving God. I'm not serving money. And I love God. I don't love money. But because I love and serve God, and that's my aim and my focus, money comes. He's my shepherd. Therefore, I don't lack. So really, if we're living in chronic lack, y'all get ready, okay? Don't get mad. If we're living in chronic lack, it testifies that we're not following the shepherd very accurately. Because he makes his sheep to lie down in green pastures. Doesn't mean we don't have seasons. Doesn't mean we don't have attacks. Doesn't mean that the devil doesn't try to do his thing. I'm talking about chronically. See, if you've got the Lord by the hand, and you're, you're going where He's telling you to go, you're going to be lying down in green pastures, walking beside still waters. Amen. Me too. And I've made all kinds of mistakes. And it showed up in my finances. I thought, oh man, my shepherd's way over here, and how did I get up over here? Out here in the desert. <laughs> Amen. Well, so anyway, so right in that he prepares a table for us in the presence of poverty. Because poverty's an enemy. Amen. We'll look at verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall what? Follow me as long as the economy's good. Goodness and mercy shall follow me Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But you gotta eat, you gotta watch out for Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday. No. I love this. What does it say? All the days of my life. The Amplified says only good. Not anything else. Only good. Only goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the, So a lot of times people, get because they're in fear, they're in worry, that circumstances are hard, they've been working on them, and they're constantly looking over their shoulder expecting defeat to catch them. Lost to show up. I've had to deal with it. I told my wife just recently, because Pastor Nancy, she kind of nailed me that first night. That there's been, you know, because of some things that happened in my past, um, I, I got this idea, things can't be this good forever. At some point, the shoe's got to drop. At some point, but what does the Bible say? Only goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Listen, if I mix my faith in that and I walk with God like the best as I know how, you know, then when I look over my shoulder, what should I expect to see? Oh, you better slow down. Slow down, slow down. There's goodness right there. Goodness. God's goodness and His mercy. Not the curse. Not something bad. Goodness. Good things from God running after you. Isn't that wonderful? So these verses indicate to us that it does not matter whether the world around us is enjoying good economic times or suffering very difficult economic times. Our God never changes. Our covenant never changes. And our financial condition is only supposed to go from where it is right now to mo better, mo better, mo better. 
I have scripture for Mobetta. The Lord shall increase you more and more and more, you and your children. Amen. I think that's Psalms 112, Psalms 115, actually. Amen. Okay, so praise God. Let me give you a few things, just real quick, uh, that I want to get over to you about what to know, what to know and what to do when famine shows up. What to know and what to do when famine shows up. Number one, don't fear and don't worry. Amen. Go to 1 Kings 17, just real quick. We're going to spend some time just around Kings here for a few minutes, and I believe we'll be done. 1 Kings 17. Now, this is about Elijah, and we were talking about him earlier, how the famine had come, and uh, God told him to go to the brook Cherith, and the ravens fed him in the morning and at night, right? Mm -hmm. But eventually the brook dried up, okay? So what happened then? Oh, he's in big trouble. He's dehydrated. No. The word of the Lord comes again to him, and in verse 8 it says, or verse 9, Arise and get thee to Zarephath which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. Amen. God's always got a plan. And so he went there and he finds this woman gathering sticks, and she, she had no idea that God had commanded her. <laughs> There's no sign that says, Elijah, here I am, the one God sent you to. And she, she, you'd have thought God sent her to a rich woman in Zarephath. But she's not only poor, she's about to fix her last meal so that her and her little baby can eat that last little bit of meal and cake and die. Yeah. And if you skip all the way down uh, to verse 12, it says, And she said, As the Lord that my God lives, I do not have a cake, but a handful of meal. Behold, a little oil in a cruise. I'm about to gather my two sticks. We're going to dress it for me and my son and die. In other words, I don't have any for you. In verse 13, Elijah said unto her, Excuse me. Fear not. What's number one? Fear not. Don't fear. Don't fear. Don't worry. You call my phone. You hear my ring. It says, don't worry. Be happy now. Don't worry. Amen. Hallelujah. So that, I want you to notice that. That's first. Don't worry. Jesus said that later on. Matthew, we're not going there. He said, don't worry about your life. Do not worry about your life. Listen. Why would he tell us that? Because worry hurts. Worry hinders. It's not like a neutral activity. You can just do it because it's natural and it feels good to worry. It hurts because it's not faith. And God can only move into your life when you're in faith. So worry hurts. Don't do it. He told this woman, Fear not. That was number one. The second thing he told her is, do what your plan is, only you have to act on your faith. And the way you're going to do that is you're going to give me the first part of that cake. Can you see the headline? West Paducah preacher takes the last morsel out of baby's mouth. You can see the headline, right? This wasn't about him. This was about her resisting fear, number one, and then acting in faith. What's the master principle? I told you the master key to prosperity is seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Well, Elijah is God's representative. 
And by not putting her and her baby first, it opened up the door for God to multiply. And studies show that they ate, they all three ate out of that cruise of oil and that meal that wouldn't run dry for over a thousand meals. But the first thing was, do not fear. Act your faith. This is a key. What do you do when famine shows up? Don't fear it. And look for a way to act on your faith. Number two. Number two, when famine shows up, you need to make a demand on your covenant rights and privileges. Right? We have a covenant with God. And uh, my children have a covenant with me, and it irritates me. They haven't done it many years. It would irritate me when Rex would come up to me and say, Daddy, could I have some water? Well, when you're barely walking and you can't reach the cups, it's appropriate to ask for water. But when you're this tall and can run like a gazelle, you can reach the cups and you know where the water is. Right? So I finally had to say, son, never again. Water's provided. Just take part. Well, God's not just, you know, He's provided. You just need to take part. Amen? Plead your case, the Bible says. Ask and you shall receive. Ask and you shall receive. Amen? And so praise God. I'm going to fast forward through some of that. Uh, praise God. But uh, now understand, to make a demand, and I don't mean be demanding of God, but I mean know what your privileges are, know what's been provided to you in the covenant, and then lay hold of them. Lay hold of them. Well, you need to understand that the covenant is a two-sided coin. And that you have responsibilities to fulfill on your side of the covenant. And it would be a bad thing to try to make a demand of God for the benefits of the covenant while you ignore your responsibilities. So you need to, I don't have time to preach that to you, but you need to get in there and find out what are the basics of your responsibilities. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His right, and then all these things will be added. How about tithing? Now the Israelites, they had a covenant with God. In Malachi, they had a covenant with God, and it included provision and prosperity. And yet they're, they're suffering in poverty. Why? He said, well, you're cursed with a curse. What do you mean I'm cursed with a curse? I have a covenant of blessing. Yeah, but you're not, you violate the covenant. How have we violated the covenant, they asked? You have robbed me. How? In tithes and in offerings. Return unto me, and I'll return unto you. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. And I'll see if I'll not open up for you the windows of him, pour you out such a blessing you don't have room enough to keep. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. You'll be a delightsome land. Your vine will be pretty and fruitful. But see, he's saying, this is all waiting on you to fulfill your responsibility in the covenant, and then I'm automatic. It's going to come to you. Amen. All right, and then number three. Number three. Keep sowing. Keep sowing. In Genesis 26, Isaac, right out of the gate, dad is gone. The covenant is now with him. He's a covenant man, Isaac. Abraham's first, or, you know, covenant son. Right out of the land, says there's a famine shows up. Devil's going to attack him. And God specifically tells Isaac, don't go down to Egypt. 
Don't go down there. Stay put and sow. Nobody's sowing. There's no rain. No one is sowing. But God said, sow. The Bible says that in verse 12, Isaac, uh, Genesis 26, 12 through 14, that Isaac sowed in that land, a land of famine, and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. He got what no one else was getting. In famine. And the Lord blessed him. I so love this. The man began to prosper, and he continued prospering until he became very prosperous, so much so that the Philistines envied him. When did he begin to prosper? Not in good economic times. I heard Dr. Jerry Savell say, God rarely promotes in good times. Because why would he do that? He gets more glory promoting his people in bad times when it looks impossible than promoting in good times when we give all the credit to good economy. What am I doing? I'm endeavoring to try to change the way we think to be more in line with God's word. He began to prosper when everyone else was going down. And the key was he kept sowing. What happens to a lot of people? They, they just look at what's happening in the world and they say, well, I better back off. And the first thing that goes is their tithe and their giving and their support of the local church and missions and missionary work and all of that. If you want, if you look, what happens if you stop sowing, Jerry, Farmer Jerry? What happens if you stop sowing in the natural? The, there, you stop reaping. If you stop sowing, you stop reaping. So just remember that. If you stop sowing, then you stop reaping. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, He who observes the wind won't sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. What's he mean? You're deciding whether you're going to sow and reap based on the natural. So he's warning us, don't do that. So number one, we said, don't fear, act in faith. Number two, we said, make a covenant demand and live, walk in the light of your responsibilities in the covenant. Number three, we see, don't stop sowing. Don't stop sowing. Amen? Uh, praise God. Don't be led by winds and clouds. Amen? Okay, number four. Number four, follow the Lord's instructions and make wise preparations. So why don't, why don't you go ahead? Well, you don't have to turn this one. You know the story. Genesis, Joseph, he's down in Egypt in jail. And Pharaoh one night has a dream. And it's, a, it's, a, it's two scenes, two, two scenes of the same dream. First dreams, he sees a, a wheat stalk or a corn stalk, really big, really healthy and vibrant. And then all of a sudden, it gets devoured and eaten up by a scrawny, skinny, unhealthy, sick-looking corner wheat stalk. Then the scene shifts to a cow. And he sees this fat cow, healthy cow, abundant-looking cow, and it gets eaten and consumed by a skinny, sick, emaciated cow. And then he wakes up, and he's troubled by it. None of the magicians can interpret it, so they, ah, oh, the baker, remember the baker, the butler, he remembers, oh, that guy, and pulls Joseph up. He's coming to a divine moment here, isn't he? 
And so Joseph interprets a dream and he said, well, God has seen fit to show you what he is about to do. And because he's given it to you in two scenes, that means it's doubly sure and it's soon to come to pass. He said, well, what is it? He said, the, the, the healthy stock and the healthy cow represent seven years of abundance. Seven years of plenty shall come to Egypt. But it will be followed by seven years of devastating famine. So much so that the seven years of plenty will be forgotten. And that the land will be destroyed and devoured. Then Joseph says, this is the dream. It's surely to come to pass. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. He said, find you Pharaoh a good guy, a business guy, a smart guy, a wise guy. And what I counsel you to do is to take a fifth or 20% of everything that comes in during the seven years of plenty and store it up against the seven years of famine that Egypt not be destroyed when, when the famine comes. And do you know they did that? And he said, you're the guy. You're the one, you're, obviously. And he was elevated from the pit to the palace in a moment of time. And he put a ring on. He said, other than me, there's no one in the country more powerful, got more sway or more say than you. You want to have somebody's head cut off? Just say the word. I don't even want to see the memo. And they spent seven years, what? Heeding the prophetic word and making wise preparation according to God's instruction. Are you with me? If there are hard times coming, what would the Holy Ghost say to you? Now we can already see from Isaac's situation, it's not this cookie cutter answer. Because uh, in another case, Elisha the prophet tells the woman at Shunem, another seven year famine's coming in the land, what do he tell her? Leave. Pack up and leave. And don't come back for seven years. And the Bible says something amazing. I mean amazing from a pastor's perspective. It says... She did what the man of God said. <laughs> it's amazing. She actually did what her man of God said. She didn't have some personal word. She got a divine instruction. But in this case, God told her, get out of here and don't come back for seven years. She came back seven years later, and because she regarded and honored the man of God's word, God had already set it up. When she showed up back in town, Gehazi was talking with the king. Just a quink-a-dinky, quink-a-dinky, right? And, he, and the king said, tell me all the stories about Elisha. When he was talking about the woman and the woman's son, how she had a baby, and then the baby died. You know, the baby, 18 years later, died and was raised from the dead. Ah, oh, here's the woman! And the king goes, come here, lady. And he says, hey, I'm assigning you to her. You restore unto her her lands, her houses, and give her everything her lands would have produced during the famine, but didn't. See, she was blessed, she was sustained, and she was rewarded because she followed divine instruction about what to do in a time of famine. But listen, what did God tell Isaac? Did he say, get out of here, Isaac? He told him the exact opposite. He said, stay put. You stay put right here, and you sow in this land. What am I telling you to do? When famine comes, you have to hear from God. 
You have to hear from God and obey His instruction. If God tells you, I want you to take 10% after you tithe and I want you to save it, then bless God. You know, what if the woman, Brother Ken, what if the woman at Shunem heard the man of God say, leave. And she gets back and starts packing and goes, this is going to be mighty inconvenient. You know what? I think I'll just use my faith. And I'll just stay right here and confess, my God shall supply all my needs. What do you think would have happened? She'd have con- she lost everything. Probably died of hunger. Died confessing, my God shall supply. Because your faith is not meant to violate a specific leading of the Lord that God gave us. So I just strongly urge you, what is the shepherd? What would the shepherd say to you? Now, I take it for, he has not told me to build a bunker and fill it up with dehydrated food. Now, some people are doing some of that. I don't, that's fine, but he hadn't told me to do that. But listen, can I tell you something? If he did, I'm going to get busy doing it. Because the only reason Egypt and the Hebrews in Egypt survived that famine was because in the good times, they followed God's wisdom and instruction. Are you with me? Follow the Lord's instructions and make wise preparations. Amen? So closing here, just to sum up what we've heard. The big thing, I'm telling you, to me, the big things, how to walk out whatever's coming victoriously is number one, whatever adjustments God's dealing with you about making, make them. Make them. Where's he want you living? Are you carrying too much unnecessary debt? Is there stuff you could scale back and sell? Or is he saying, I got this. In fact, I want you to buy something. You know, we, we're going to come into lands and houses and businesses. People are going to lose them. And they may just come right into our hand. We don't want that for other people, but the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Is that not right? The point is, is make whatever adjustments, and if you're not, if you don't know that you know that you know that you are in the perfect will of God for your life, then you need to seek God about that until you do know. Don't fear it, but be determined. I'm not going to live this season of my life and these last days outside of God's perfect will for me and my family. And if I've got to make changes, bless God, I'm going to make them. Amen. Here's another big thing. I'm, I'm almost done. Hang in there. Uh, work. Work on developing your faith in God and His promises for prosperity. Faith comes by hearing. And you need to have a robust, strong, cutting-edge measure of faith to believe you receive your supply. And to be skillful in hearing from him. Think about Elijah. How was he? Go to the brook chair. He heard that. And so he went. And he was provided for. See, if we make a wrong turn and God said, be over here, that's where your provision is. You decided you wanted to go right instead of turning left. See, you're out. it's not that he's not providing. It's you went the wrong way. 
We've all done that, right? Oh, mercy, Father, I made a mistake. Pastor Nancy always talks about on-ramps. We get off the wrong esket, but we can, we're not fretting. We can find the on-ramp, get back on, get turned around. But you need to be active. So, listen, shameless plug for my book, but I mean, God told me to write it. There's good stuff in here. It'll, it'll build your faith. A lot of good material, but feed your faith. So that it, faith comes by hearing. Stir yourself along these lines right now. Wigglesworth said, if you wait to get faith until you need faith, you'll often find you've come too late. Now, he was saying that about receiving healing for your body, but I think it's true sometimes financially. We go through things financially we shouldn't have because we arrived at a moment in a circumstance where we should have had a measure of faith had we done the right thing, but we didn't. And now we need a larger measure of faith than what we have. And faith cometh, but it doesn't come in a second or just overnight. Anyway. Number three here. I'm talking about big things as we finish. Be a faithful tither. I mean, I tell you what, that is like a a lifeline (laughs) in so many areas. Amen. Honor God. Put Him first. Because that's part of our responsibilities in the covenant. Whatever area you have authority over that you want God to bless... Some people tithe on their paycheck, but not on their uh, retirement increase. Well, why not? We get in our head, I just tithe on my earnings. Well, what about your investment earnings? Do you want your business blessed? Do you want your retirement blessed? Do you want your this blessed? Do you want your ministry blessed? Whatever you have authority over, if you want that blessed, then me, I tithe out of every account I have authority over. Chris Cody Ministries, Harvest Kids Christian Daycare, World Harvest Church in Paducah. That's uh, really my personal and B2B. That's our kind of our uh, Ambers and I personal little business venture we got going on. And, uh, you know, and then my personal account. And they're all taken care of. Amen. Number four, do not worry, no matter what. Just be a bulldog. I refuse to worry. I will go to God, I will pray, I will do other things, but I will not worry. Amen? And then number five, watch your mouth. Because if you talk lack, talk financial failure, you talk hard times, that's what you'll have. And then you'll be telling people, see, I told you so. Jesus said you'll have what you say. Amen? Well, I hope you got something out of that tonight. Amen. Let's all stand up. Praise God before we go. This is the last opportunity for a little while that we're going to have, I believe he's an apostle of God, a real one. And his wife, Pastor Saromani, and uh, Pastor David from Rajmandri, India. They're traveling back to India uh, on Saturday. Is that right? So I won't get to see them again. And so why don't you come come forward, praise God, and just face me there, sir, and I'm just going to pray for you. Just turn around and help me, Kamal. Hey, Dad. Oh, he's waving everybody here. Turn around this way. <laughs> I don't speak Telugu. <laughs> Hallelujah. Reach your hand of faith out. We want to pray over them and bless them tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, glory to God. I just, uh, one of the most precious.